want to see a nibble in the projects. Mad at myself, gonna put it to the side. She know what? Mama had to cater for the coupe that we rode at the school on the way to Popeyes. Welcome back, everyone, to episode two of the TM Pod. Um, we appreciate everybody who tuned in, um, whether it was watching or listening to the first episode we did. We appreciate that. Um, we, and we appreciate the positive feedback as well. Um, this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, mental health, um, specifically anxiety and uh, certain coping mechanisms, how both Mikey and I deal with them. Um, and yeah, we're going to see where this goes and hopefully you guys enjoy. So Mikey, why don't you start us off um, cool. with kind of just, I guess, explaining how you were introduced to mental health, um, whether that was an experience or, or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Take us into that. Right. So my experience was a little interesting. I was out on a trip, a work trip in Los Angeles, and we were going from Los Angeles all the way up to Sacramento. And I, that was my first experience right when I got to LA of like a panic attack. I, my anxiety specifically um, is very physical. So like my heart rate starts going up and then I um, just for a side note too, like I've tracked it with like an Apple watch and when I am having a panic attack, it like doubles. So that's pretty interesting. Um, And then my hands get really sweaty. That's like the first time when my hands start sweating, like, Oh, great. Um, and since my heart rate doubles, I, um, you know, um, start sweating a lot. I start like getting really uh, jittery. Um, I basically just kind of like freak out. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so not to interrupt you, but so the first time you experienced this, this sensation of um, that feeling that you described as anxiety, did yeah. you know that this was anxiety the first time you experienced it? Or was it like, wow, like, what is this? Like, what's going on right now? Um, It was definitely confusing at first. I don't, I'm sure in the moment I was like, okay, I'm freaking out. This is probably what anxiety feels like. But I remember we were on the road in the middle of nowhere. We stopped at a gas station and I was in like this dark bathroom, dude. Like everyone's getting food and stuff. It's like 3 a.m. And I'm like in the bathroom, like freaking out. And I don't know why um i remember i had to like call my mom and i was just like hey mom like i don't know what's going on i'm freaking out right now like i feel like i'm gonna pass out i feel like i'm gonna throw up yada 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 and yeah um that was my first experience with it um and then that became a whole journey within itself um when was your first time experiencing anxiety or panic yeah so mine was a little bit different um i was very sheltered to the idea of like anxiety and almost even depression I wasn't really like you know I kind of have heard of them before had heard of them before um but I didn't really know what exactly it was or how it felt um and so the first time I experienced this was my sophomore year in high school uh I had a really bad basketball game with many scouts there and whatever and so um before driving home I get to my car and I just sit sit down in my car and I just kind of just start crying like and it was kind of like uncontrollably you know it was a mixture of like emotions of whether I was I thought I had just ruined my basketball career um it was kind of an embarrassing thing um there's a lot of emotions going through my head and I just I was someone growing up where I kept all my emotions inside um Mm. I don't know why I don't know if the way it was the way I was raised or or what, but that was who I was. And so at this point I felt like I just couldn't hold it back anymore. And boom, it was just 
just uh, nonstop tears. And at this point, I didn't even realize like, yeah, this is kind of like a mental health episode. Um, it was just more of like, what's going on with me? Like, what? why am I crying right now? Right. And so it, it didn't take me until until college to really, once I started experiencing anxiety more on of a on a consistent basis, I started to really, um, that's when I first actually uh, spoke to a sports psychologist um, mm. and really started to understand what, what I was going through and how I felt. Um, and yeah, that's kind of when my, my experience started, but I had had experiences with anxiety, you know, here and there growing up. And I just, I wasn't really aware of what it really was. You know that's super saying? interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, during college, especially with you being in the spotlight so much, did you ever, how did you deal with that in front of so many people? Like, was it easy to hide for you? Um, yes and no. Uh, I think I struggled with a lot of my anxiety before the season even started. Mm. Um, I was homesick. Um, I was kind of just uncomfortable. I was in an uncomfortable situation. You know, it was preseason, which is a very tough time in college basketball. Um, it wasn't as fun, you know, we weren't playing games and stuff like that. So stuff got tough on me, um, as you know, it can on a lot of incoming college freshmen when they first step on campus. Right. But a lot of my anxiety as things progressed came from like performance anxiety. And that's a lot of mm. what I struggled with to this day is performance anxiety. A lot of like, what if situations, catastrophic thinking, Mm. what if I go out here and shoot over 10 this game like what's that gonna look like what if I go and have six turnovers this game like just putting situations in my own head that um, are already causing a negative way of thinking and it's um it's very all or nothing thinking is what yeah, I've been exactly. told a lot um it's like it's like either black or white it's it's not there's not like a spectrum it's just one end or the other it's either it's gonna be terrible or it's gonna be great and that's where like the anxiety lays um, which is super interesting for you to hear or for me to hear. Um, and I'm curious, what does your, what does your anxiety feel like? Like, what does it feel like for you? Yeah, for me, it's almost like a feeling of just almost shutting down, like an extreme feeling of like tenseness, like going into a sporting event, you know, whatever sport you're playing, you want to be, you want to feel loose. You want to feel free. You know, you want to feel like your body is, has fluid to it. When I start to get performance anxiety and start to feel anxious, my body tightens up. Like my heart starts racing 100 miles per hour, like you were saying. But I also just right. feel like my my muscles just aren't loose. You know, I feel very stiff and very interesting. It's um yeah, almost like frozen. So and yours is physical, but in a different way from mine. Yes, um, I do. I do experience those type of physical. Um, sensations but a lot mm. of it is mental I think because it stems from overthinking I think I'm a big overthinker and that's honestly where my anxiety probably stems from, stems from um, mm. is that aspect but I guess we had this conversation before we started the podcast about different coping mechanisms you right. talked about what um, sensations you feel what experiences you go through when you have anxiety but what do you do when these when this stuff happens? I know you mentioned you called your mom one time. Yeah. But yeah. you know, say say what if that what if that option is not available? Um, how do you cope with with these experiences? Right. Um, a lot of the um, especially when I was like really trying to figure out my anxiety. Um, a lot of these episodes happened when I didn't feel like I was in my safe space, which was like my apartment for me. 
So yeah. every time it got really um debilitating because it was like, oh, like I can't leave the house now without freaking out. Like even when I get in the car to go down the road to the store, like not even five minutes, I'd freak out. I'd like literally feel like I can't drive because I felt like I was going to pass out. Um, So in those moments, I would like literally do anything I can to like bring myself back to present, like present time, because I feel like when I'm anxious or I'm like having a panic attack, I'm nowhere near like thinking about, oh, what am I doing right now? And it's hard to do that when I'm driving or doing something where you have to pay attention. So like what I started doing is I'd always keep anytime I left the house, no matter if it was for five minutes, 10 minutes, I'd always have cold water on me. And even if I wasn't drinking it, like I would take it. And I would just hold it in my hands and like kind of just like feel the bottle and feel the cold um, water in my hands. And yeah, that that was like a grounding technique for me to just like bring me back. And like it got pretty bad at one point. Um, I was driving home from work and it just like happened on the highway. And I probably looked like a maniac, dude. I took my shirt off while I was driving and I started pouring water on my head, like literally just so I could feel it on my body and um. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the biggest things that I've done. And I know in my journey of therapy, I have tried a lot of different things. Like some people say, you know, tense each muscle in your body, each muscle in your body, starting from your head to your toes and work your way down. And then that's supposed to like release it. And it's like you focusing or it's like count one thing that's green in your environment and then two things that are purple and then three things all the way up to five. Um, so there's a bunch of different techniques. But for me, the water personally just helped a lot. Um, I don't know. Do you have any techniques that you do when you're going through these things? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me is breathing, um, really trying to slow down my heart rate. Right. So meditation is um, a good practice for me to, in the moment, it helps a lot, but also just even start my day on a calm note. I think that's um, a very positive tool for me. But that's my biggest one, I think, um, that I've come across. And, it, you know, everybody's technique or, you know, way of calming themselves down is unique. Um, I wanted to go into another topic. And this kind of relates to, like, the compassion aspect. Because, you know, anxiety is becoming a lot more common um, these days, I think, especially with where we're at as a society, with social media, et cetera. There's just a lot of things that provoke anxiety these days. And there's a large community of people that experience anxiety, but there's also a large community that doesn't, especially maybe not on us on the same level. So how do you feel about like some people not being able to relate to people that do experience anxiety? Because I think a lot, a big part of compassion is relating to the other person. And so right. what do you think about that area of, you know, kind of trying to understand how people are feeling without actually having experienced it yourself? It's tricky because um, I feel like I've been on one end of the conversation for so long. It's hard to be like, think back to when I didn't have anxiety and how I looked at people that did. And I don't even think I was having those conversations at that point, um, which is really um, interesting to think about. And so I think like my biggest advice for people that don't have anxiety or don't deal with it and are trying to relate to people that do it's just like you just need to, um, I guess, not try to relate, but just try to show compassion and show um, support. Because I know a lot of a lot of times when I was having panic attacks and feeling anxiety in a social setting, the best thing I could do is address it. And every single time I've done that, I've not once had a, had an experience where someone was like, "Oh, you have anxiety." 
Like no one has ever given me that attitude or like, honestly, it's led to more conversations. And then the, the, usually the room opens up more, even if you're not dealing with it, they're like, you know, learning about the topic and um, just being in that environment. Um, So I think addressing it, um, if you are the one with anxiety is super important. Like if you're feeling that way, because then, you know, you're not hiding it and you're not trying to hide it. And I think that's the worst part about having anxiety socially is trying to act normal when you feel awful. Um, yeah, so I struggled with that for that. I struggled with that for a long time, um, especially when I got to the NBA and I started to experience these feelings. You know, it was kind of I was in a situation where I was just pretending that I wasn't going through anything because I didn't feel like anybody around me would have that compassion. You know, it's I see people around me not have these the same. Ang- anxiousness for a basketball game or Mm. for whatever it is and that kind of put me in a state of okay well if they don't experience it they're kind of going to look at me like why are you experiencing it and that was really the opposite when I really started to talk about what was going on with people um, not even just in the basketball environment but just friendships family it was a lot of just a lot of support and not a lot of questioning you know what I'm saying Um, I think that can be an easy an easy habit to fall into when you don't experience the same feelings as like, okay, well, like, why are you feeling that way? Or how did you get to this point? Like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really matter. You know, I think the biggest right. thing is just, just showing that support, whatever, wherever they're at in how they're feeling at this time when they bring it up to you or you come around them. Um, I think that's the biggest thing like you touched on. I completely, I completely agree with what you're saying. And to touch on, um, kind of like your profession, the work environment you were put in, especially as a rookie, you're coming in 20 year old, you're young around a bunch of grown adults. Do you feel like there's a, like, what is the reason that there's a lack of relatability in that profession or there's like in that environment, why do you think people feel like they can't express themselves in that way? Or do you, why do you think they have, there's like almost an ego in the locker room? Well, there's a lot of reasons, you know, Um, well, first off you have guys that are making, upwards of 20, 30, 40, even $50 million a year. So it's not uncommon that egos develop when making that kind of serious money. Um, I think another aspect is just age difference. Mm. In college, you have the age range of most likely 18 to about 23. Um, High school, it's what, 14 to 18, around there. NBA, you have 18 to 38. There's guys that are, you know what I'm saying, where... You have a rookie who just got came out of college going to psychology one introduction. And then you have a guy who's 34 who has four kids, a wife who's making $17 million a year. You know, it's like a very, it's a very wide gap. And there's so there's a bunch of different stages of life within the yeah, mm. yeah. And I think there is a lot of ways to connect on a basketball court um, as far as competitiveness, just having the same goal. But that's not always the case. Um, I think I felt a larger sense of camaraderie within my team um, uh, in college rather than the NBA, um, which is okay. But, you know, that that dynamic um, of different age groups and different walks of life and where they are in life, it exists. And so it was tough to, to navigate that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Without naming any names, were there anyone, was, was there anyone on your team that you did feel like you could, you know, open up to or even remotely come close to saying what you were going through to them or did it feel very shut off yes I think 
I can think of a few guys where if I actually sat down and was like, you know what, like, this is what I'm going through. Do you have any advice for me? They would have sat down and listened with, with no judgment. Mm. And I think actually a majority of guys are like that. Um, whether they present themselves or project themselves as open in that way, you know, maybe, maybe not. Right. But I do think a lot of people, even in general, have a soft spot, a compassionate spot, if you right. do open up to them. So yeah, um, but but, however, you know, I, I think I was in a place where I was very conscious of opening up to those type of people. To mm. honestly, anyone at that point, I thought I was just kind of being soft, like being that rookie. If I were to go to one of these guys and be like, you know what, I'm experiencing this anxiety and it's it's killing me, man. Like, what what should what do you what do you think I should do? Like, what what can I do? Are you here to talk? Like. You know, I think people, there would have been several people that would have been open to having that discussion. So do you think for rookies coming into the league this year or, you know, in the future, would you say what's the best advice if they are feeling, you know, anxiety and stuff coming in? Because, I mean, that jump from college to the league is huge. What's your best advice for them? Would you say talk talk to your teammates, like find a psychologist, a counselor? What, what, what do you think? Well, personally, I think I think every incoming rookie should – have to meet with the therapist on mm. occasion. Um, I think there should be some type of way to mentally help rookies that are coming in, whether they struggle with it or not, you know? Um, and it doesn't have to be a once a week type thing. It could be a once a month thing or, mm. and you can schedule it more frequently if you need it. But I think they should have a couple of sessions with a therapist to, even if you're in a good spot, you know, what I'm, I, I kind of just mentioned that, but you believe the same you've, you've mentioned this to me that how good therapy is no matter what situation or how you're feeling in life it's just right. it's a positive thing for you and i think the difficulty of environments the difficulty of growing up fast etc 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 for mm -hmm. an nba rookie there's going to be mental challenges and i think a lot of rookies whether they show this or not experience it and so i think that's that's one thing and then another thing is just to not be afraid to open up, you know, um, that was something that I was doing. Um, I shouldn't have, but it, you know, I can't really rewind to that time right. and open up to, you know, a teammate at that, uh, now, but yeah, I think that's, those are the two biggest things. Um, you know, maybe create a solid circle of people you feel comfortable talking to, whether that's a friend, parent, uncle relative whatever it is and keep them around you never know when a day might feel lonely and you need to talk to someone so that's the biggest advice i would i would give i think that's great advice man and yeah to touch on what you were saying yeah you and i have talked about this a lot and i think you know therapy people think oh i need to go to therapy when you know i'm in a slump or i'm in the worst time of my life but me personally i think going to therapy you should go when you're feeling your best and the reason why I say that is therapy especially in my personal journey with it and my first leg of it because I'm in I've done three three legs of it now in my life and in my first leg I was in such a bad place where I wasn't ready to heal or start you know the process of healing I just was like every week going into the sessions dumping dumping emotional dumping like just getting everything out that I needed to get out but I wasn't ready to you know take anything in but, you know, now skip to the third leg, and this is where the retrospect aspect of things where you can look back 
this is the greatest part of it. And you can see how your journey has evolved. Um, in my third leg, I'm in such a great place where now it's like, okay, I can practice when something or a situation might hit the, like shit hit the fan. I know like good coping mechanisms. I know good ways to deal with it, healthy ways to deal with it instead of, you know, just shutting all those ideas out and, you know, being just feeling sorry for myself. And so, yeah, I think even if you don't feel like you need it right now, I think counseling and talk therapy or whatever it is that you, whatever avenue of therapy that you, you choose, you can do it at any point of your life, whether you're feeling good or bad. Yeah. And I think for myself, I have tried, well, I still continue to, but psychedelic therapy. Um, and the biggest part of this is, you know, you go enter, you go in, you enter these journeys, you know, these trips, quote unquote, um, we like to call it journeys. Um, right. Like in the, for those who take psychedelics, you know, I think journey is a very communal word for it, but um, nevertheless, nonetheless, you go into these journeys and you, you know, you see these crazy things, you have these, these messages that you try to unravel and make sense of, and it's, it's difficult on your own. You know, you, you exit the journey and you kind of come back and you're like, all right, I saw X, Y, Z. What does all this mean? Mm. And for me, I would schedule it to where I would do my, my psychedelic journey and meet with my therapist right after. I'm, I'm fresh out. My mind is full of empathy. Like I'm feeling great. I'm, and so now this conversation with my therapist helps me unpack and make sense of everything I just experienced. Mm. And so that's something where I was like, wow, because I've tried psychedelics without you know going through the therapy aspect. And it's not the same, you know, you may you might have experienced some things and see the same stuff, but you're not as, you're not as well able to make the progress that you need to um, and get what you need to get out of it. Yeah. And I think having that professional, you know, third party, you know, um, just kind of outlook on things and help support is super important. Someone that's well-versed in this um, medically trained. I think that's really important to have that. It can be, I want to mention though, it can be difficult, you know, with therapists, you might meet one or two therapists and you don't, you don't gel with them. You don't vibe with them. And you might want to think, you know what, this therapy shit is, it's dead. Like, it's not going to help me. No one's going to understand me, but I would just say, keep trying, man. Like I went through one or two where I didn't vibe with them. I was like, all right, it's hopeless. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm doomed. But then I met one that I really I really connected with and it, it made all the difference. So I, I yeah, can I relate. Thing. I can relate on that so much. Um, yeah. I think especially as a kid too, my, my parents would put me in therapy just to talk and stuff. And I think when it's forced or like, it's not your decision, you, you just completely shut it off. And I think people get a bad taste of therapy in their mouth and say they don't gel with their first person, or maybe they don't gel with the second person. They're saying, yeah, I'm cool off this. But no, 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 like you got to give it a try because at some point you will find someone that relates to you, someone that you feel comfortable with. And then literally like the journey begins there. And it's so, it's so helpful, man. And I think that that's a great point that you bring up. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think um, touching on the psychedelic stuff, like I think we have a guest lined up in the future where we can dive more into that. And um, he's very well versed in it. Um and yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of questions about that because it's very, um, I almost want to say taboo right now. 
very new. The, the, the psychedelic stuff psychedelic therapy i think it's very new yeah and i think people don't yeah. aren't people probably have a lot of questions about it so just know that we are going to address that more um that is for a later episode that is coming up so yeah um that's super interesting stuff um appreciate you sharing that man of course um i, I think to, to move forward here how do you feel looking back on your entire journey thus far? You know, the journey's not done, but to where you are now, Dude. How, di- how difficult was it? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you proud of yourself for all this stuff? Because I sure am. I'm extremely proud of myself for digging myself out of the hole that I was in. Because um, it, was, it, was it can get to a dark place, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. And it takes a lot of strength from, I've even seen my, from not just you, but peers family members like it takes a lot of strength to dig yourself out of out of that that hole um so tell me about how you how you look back on your whole journey dude looking back on my whole journey and of course it's still going on is really it's a trip dude it's like it's an it's emotional thinking back on it because like entering therapy you're in such a in my like in my journey I was in such a bad place that looking back on it now and seeing the progress that I've made and you know every week when I go in and I talk to my my guy man he he tells me you know you even coming in here today is a step like that's a that's a win in itself and I think in therapy you got to count the little things and so like there's big wins and there's little wins within the therapy and I I'm extremely proud of myself um which is hard to say, like, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's a little uncomfortable to like, think back on all the hard stuff that you have to unpack and all, you know, how open you have to be with some people. But um, yeah, I am so happy with my journey. I'm so thankful that I've had the resources and found the right people for it. And I'm glad that um, I can share with people now. It's been great, man. And yeah, you, you said that you're really proud of yourself um anything else you want to touch on with your journey yeah i mean i think and i heard these words from another close friend is that they just told me that they were proud of me because it takes a lot kind of just reiterating it takes a lot of strength and due diligence you know you can't you you can't just do one or two weeks or one or two days of mental health work and and think that things are just going to flip for you. It has to to be consistency. Um, And yeah, so that's why I'm very proud of myself. I think a lot of the people around me didn't know the significance of the spot I was in as far as how much I was struggling on a day-to-day basis, how confused I was with what I wanted to do with my life with where my life had come to, how I got here, why I'm struggling. Um, and so I think me being self-aware of how much I was struggling, it makes me all the more proud of myself that, you know, I've gotten out of that place. That's amazing, um, man. So, yeah. No, that, yeah. That, that's and amazing. I think anybody, I think anybody, whether it wasn't even as severe as mine or yours, or you could just have been struggling with anxiety for taking tests or whatever and you know the one time where you do something and it causes you not to maybe struggle with tests as much anymore you should be proud of yourself um any any progress you should, with your mental health in life you should be proud of yourself i think within and you saying you know whether it's struggling taking a test or you know whatever you're doing i think they're it's really easy to fall into the comparison game with anxiety and mental health and be like hey oh 
Oh, he's 100%. struggling with it with with this situation. Why am I dealing with it? Like, why why does that matter? To, like, why am I freaking out about this? And falling into that game is just a trap, man. Because everyone deals with it differently. Everyone feels differently about it. Like, I don't. It's so unhealthy to compare your mental health with someone else's. Because it's just then you start downplaying yours and feeling like yours isn't important. And I just think that's super unhealthy. So if you start feeling that way, it's okay. It's it's natural, but you know understand that you're feeling that way address it and then pull yourself back out 100 percent. and i think that was something that i i struggled with and i feel like i've seen certain people around me struggle with it um as i've kind of opened up about my struggles with mental health i've seen numerous people on instagram you know dm me or or whatever try to communicate with me that you know they've been struggling as well um and it's just it's very eye-opening to the amount of people that struggle that don't feel like maybe that they are, I don't want to say worthy of struggling, but in a position to struggle or to feel, because from, you know, from the thing that I struggled with, especially my rookie year was feeling that I don't, I had no place to feel anxious, no place to be depressed with, with the position I was in. I was young. I was in the MBA. I was making a lot of money, like it was a very it was e- very easy for me to look at myself and say what are you really struggling for mm. when you have another person down the street that isn't isn't as isn't as um what's the word i'm looking for like, like fortunate like, yeah fortunate gifted whatever um the right word for it is but yeah that's something that was a big thing that i struggled with and like you said the comparison game it'll get it'll it's not a good thing to get into because it's not, it's not something where it should be compared, you know, at it's all. Not, different things make certain people react a different way. Right. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. I remember, I remember in your rookie season when you were going through everything, um, just seeing like tweets and stuff and how people really could not relate to it. And they'd say like, Oh, like, how can he, you know, skip games, do whatever? Like, how can he not talk about this or address this uh, when he's, you know, making X, Y, Z or like he's in the NBA? And I don't know, because I feel like maybe maybe it was the same situation in college, but I feel like maybe even on the high school level, people would be way more compassionate if you were going through something then than on the in the, in the NBA. And things really flip overnight like that. Like people go from thinking, oh, like, I feel sorry for this person to – oh, he has this, 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 and this. Oh, I don't feel sorry mm-hmm. for him. Why does he feel this way? And I just think it's a toxic environment. I think that's that's super unfair. Um, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from or like why they think that way, but they shouldn't. And, and yeah. That's something that I wish looking back, you know, we're talking about retrospect and looking back at our journey. That's something that I really regret is falling into that trap. I think- mm. I started to struggle very early on in my career with Dallas and I spent months, you know, fighting it, fighting that, that urge of like, you, you shouldn't be struggling right now, Tyrell. Like no one's, no one is going to feel sorry for you. And that just made me fall deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And it took me longer and longer and longer to heal. Mm. So looking back on it, that's something that I wish I would have done differently was not fall into that, that trap um because it it did harm to me in the long run that totally makes sense man it's a it's a hard position to be in when you're 
you know, playing at the highest level or in the spotlight yeah. constantly. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that's for anyone at the, at the professional level in any, any job line, I think um, that pressure and that, that feeling of, Oh, why am I feeling this way? I should feel so lucky and grateful. And you can feel that way and still feel anxious, depressed, whatever. Exactly. Um, and the thing about it is, the root of my struggles wasn't had nothing to do with the position I was in. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the things that I struggled with and still struggle with stem back to certain events, uh, behavior patterns that mm-hmm. I learned when I was young, very young, like a youth. So it's hard to look at someone and say, you can't struggle with this because you have this, you have this, this, and this, even though the root of your problems and the cause of them are from when way before you had any of that, you right. know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I came around and eased up on myself um, in the journey of my mental health. Super interesting, man. That's very that's crazy. Um, to to kind of segue into something, I have a question for you. In your journey, has there been a piece of media or like a book that has helped you or like spoken to you at all? Um, that's like kind of helped you or like eased the anxiety or the depression, whatever it is? Yes, I think a big one for anxiety is the untethered soul. I don't know if it's the untethered soul or untethered soul, one of the two. Um, but it's a it's a very, very good book about just teaching you different perspectives on anxiety, how to deal with them, what anxiety truly is. Mm. Um, it, it was a very good piece of of work for me to learn what anxiety was, I think. Um, and it gave me a different perspective on how I should handle it, where it's coming from. And so that's a big thing. Um, I think reading uh, different pieces, but has helped me a lot. But I think that one stood out to me the most. That's awesome. I'll far. have to check that one yeah. out for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, not, I don't quite remember who the author is, but but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll put a, a, a note in the description or something like that. For sure. For sure, we'll pop it up. No, how about great. you? Are are you a reader, podcast? Because I listen to podcasts too, and I think there are some really good ones. But are you a, one of those? I feel like uh, I feel like with TikTok and TikTok in our generation, my attention span has gone down significantly. So it's yeah. pretty hard for me to sit down and uh, read a book or something. But um, a movie definitely helped me when I was struggling um, really bad with anxiety. Um, I was like in between my parents' house and an apartment. I was staying in an Airbnb and I watched this movie on Disney Plus. It's called Free Solo. It's about this dude and he climbs a mountain in Yosemite with no ropes. Like he literally just climbs it. And um, is this like a cartoon or is this like a no, no, this is like this is a real thing. Like this guy, he's the only one that's done this. It's called and he literally his name's Alex Honnold. And I could go on and on and on and about this because I've watched this movie over a thousand times. But basically, in a nutshell, um, he says a, a quote that really stuck out to me is he says, you know, it's really easy to mix up anxiety and it, like the feeling of anxiety and excitement. They're like right on the same line. And it's really easy to mix that up. So, you know, when I have something that I'm excited about, even like even this podcast, man, like before I get it, like, I start feeling my hands start sweating a little bit and like my heart rate goes up and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And I address it. Am I nervous or am I excited? Like, am I feeling anxious or am I excited? And so like that line and starting to look at things in that perspective was really interesting to me. And um, another part real quick is he 
he gets a, a MRI, like a brain scan, because people are like, how are you climbing these mountains with no ropes? Like, literally, you, if you slip off or something out of your control happens, you you literally die. And so they scan it and they do this test where they show they they've done studies on it, like a, out of 100 people, you know, they flash these images. And if something in your brain activates called your amygdala, which is your fight or flight response, um, that is basically like, you know, the study or base of like oh this is scary this is not scary yeah his, yeah i understand and, and his amygdala didn't fire for any of it and okay. and there's That's a crazy. part of it there's a part of it where that he goes is my amygdala like does it not work and the the study the person goes no like it works but it just it's it's like working so hard and it's always you know on the edge because he climbs these mountains that normal stuff that people are scared of doesn't scare him so mm-hmm. that made me take a step back and go why and this kind of plays into the comparison game but for me it was in a healthy way it was like wait 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 wait. if his is only activating you know when he's climbing these mountains like facing real life or death situations which i feel like some that's where a lot of anxiety stems from it's like i feel anxious about yada 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 i feel like i'm gonna die whatever i was like why do i feel this way about going to the store why do i feel this way about doing these day-to-day tasks so that actually got me out of my safe space and out of my house more than i thought just thinking like it's just the store, like nothing's going to happen. You're fine. Like you've done this a million times. And so just taking that, I, I, I highly recommend it. It's called Free Solo. It's on Disney Plus. It's a great movie. Um, yeah. I highly recommend watching it. But that was a piece that really stuck out to me. Oh, yeah. That story is dope, man. I think I've heard about that before, like that whole fight or flight thing. Um, that makes a lot of sense how it's almost like a tolerance thing. If you kind of want to compare the two a little bit um so yeah that, that's very interesting i think oh, yeah it's crazy all right so one of the last things i want to talk about is just we mentioned it a little bit before in this episode is consistency um and maintaining positive practices for your mental health so are there certain things that you do on a consistent basis that are healthy for your men- for your mental you know what i'm saying to keep you in that good good space um you know, like just certain habits or maybe even day-to-day routines that you've picked up? Um, that's, that's such a good question, man. It's, it's hard for me because I actually, for the past year or maybe even two now, I went, you know, the traditional medical route. And so I've been on medication to help me. Um, and right now I'm actually in that transition period where I'm trying to lean off of it and trying to get off it. And, um, I've used it as a crutch for so long it's a really uncomfortable transition period for me right now. Um, so like, yeah, my, my, my counselor brings it up all the time. He's like, Hey, did you practice your breathing techniques? Did you do this and that? And I was like, no, like, I'm not like I didn't. And so like, I, I personally struggle with prioritizing myself in that way because I have this crutch to lean on like, Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Let me just take this medication real quick. So I think that's an end of the spectrum on my end where you kind of mentioned that you meditate and you you know do these healthy practices so i'd love to know your way of doing stuff because i could learn from that yeah uh i kind of want to go on a side note from what you i want to respond to something you said before i get into that um if that's okay you used to rock climb a lot Mm -hmm. you i don't remember when you started but there was a period where you were going a a lot um and you enjoyed it was that something that helped (sighs) 
your yeah, mental health definitely um, take distract you from it and stuff like that definitely Any exercise being um type of thing like like i'm gonna be honest man basketball i like i think you've seen i i'll go into you know a gym and i'll just shoot around for hours because I, I just love it man and that's super therapeutic for me where like rock climbing was so amazing for me unfortunately i got in a car accident um had to do a bunch of therapy on my hand and it was kind of like i couldn't do anything for a while so i kind of got into a slump right there um and still kind of going through that um but no yeah the the exercise part of things and like you know with rock climbing there's a there's like an achievement there's a goal um that you're trying to reach and so that was like really rewarding and fulfilling and i think with basketball it's like it's like one of those instantly rewarding things. It's like every time you hit a shot, it's like you get a little hit of dopamine. You're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, the the sports were really big. So yeah, I didn't even think of that, man. I appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> nah, yeah, I remember that. But to get into kind of my habits, and I think this was something that was emphasized to me a lot during my journey. Um, it's just practicing like healthy habits. I think meditation, and I've struggled with doing every every one of these on a on an everyday basis, you know, some days I do it, some days I don't, which, you know, um, maybe I should be doing them every day, but also it's sometimes nice to take a break. Um, but yeah, I think meditation, you know, I think journaling, uh, I'm currently writing a book, so that helps uh, my mental spot. I think it's a good mental, mental health activity. Um, obviously going to therapy on a consistent basis, which isn't every day, but it's a consistent thing that I do. Um, so these are, you know, these are a few, a few mm. things. I was the gym. I think exercise is a big thing that um, helps your mental health. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think those are things I wanted to touch on that because I just remember someone told me that, you know, you can do all this work for your mental health. You may think you made the biggest progress that you've made yet biggest strides, but mental health is linear you know some days are going to be good some days are going to be worse and to keep having those healthy habits and to keep practicing those things I think allows you to make progress instead of either being stagnant or eventually regressing so mm. I wanted to, to touch on that but yeah I think this is good a good spot to wrap up episode two definitely um, man thank it was you everybody a, for sorry sorry yeah, to interrupt thank, no yeah, it, was just, was it was a little it was a little heavier than the first one I know you guys mm -hmm. probably weren't expecting that um but I think but it that's, was really, really important. Yeah, that's the transparency, transparency, pardon, and the vulnerability that we want to display within this podcast. And I think right. next episode, we plan to bring on a guest um, and have guests moving forward who um, also are going to be willing to be transparent um, and show some vulnerability with you guys. And so, uh, yeah, I just kind of want to say thank you for everybody who listened yeah, to episode one and, and even maybe through this episode. Um, and we have more content on the way and we hope you guys look forward to, to checking it out. So, um, Definitely. once again, we appreciate it and we're signing off. Yep. Appreciate you guys.